Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. All right, my thanks to uh, Republican candidate Chris Doty uh, running for governor. He and Jeff Deal square off on September the 6th, Tuesday, September the 6th, and we will have Jeff in here at some point before that. And we also hope to have Maura Healy in as well. Maura Healy is, in effect, running unopposed. I'm not even even sure if there are other um, Democrats uh, who had run and had announced, but they have I, all withdrawn. I, I don't know if there will be any other candidates actually on the Democratic ballot. I have to check that out before we talk with more Healy. Now we're going to um, change topics and um, talk about an issue that is very uh, important to me, and, and that is uh, speech codes um, that are popping up at universities uh, around the country. And uh, an organization that I'm very familiar with, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, uh, is um, is a group and an organization that my friend um, Harvey Silverglade, attorney Harvey Silverglade, is very much involved in. Uh, and we are advocates for um, all types of speech. Um, there are some speech that all of us consider to be bad speech, but as Harvey has said, as Alan Dershowitz has said, and as I have said, um, the answer for bad speech is better speech. Now, we get into some of these um, controversies because at different schools um, do have um, you know, speech codes or, or frameworks, or you can call them uh, at the University of Massachusetts Lowell, they have what's called an acceptable use policy, uh, which was sent to us today. Uh, there was a story in the Boston Herald about it, which we saw this morning. Uh, and the, uh, the uh, director of media relations uh, from uh, UMass Lowell uh, did send us the acceptable use policy, which was profiled in the Herald today and commented upon by my next guest, Laura Belts. She is FIRE, which is the acronym for the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. She's the Director of Policy Reform for FIRE. And uh, Laura, welcome to Nightside. How are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. Delighted to have you with us. And um, one of the things that FIRE does, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, is focuses um, on speech codes at various and sundry universities around the country. And I guess this month um, you um, focused on, on UMass Lowell, uh, which is one of our great uh, public colleges here. Uh, and their acceptable use policy. Tell us, uh, tell us what caught your attention and, and what you're concerned about. Um, we did invite someone from UMass Lowell to join us tonight. They simply gave us a statement. They did not uh, offer uh, us a, a guest, but so but we are having you with us nonetheless. So, what's tell us tell us what concerns you and tell us about this particular um, what's called acceptable use policy, sort of an inarticulately titled policy, but that's what it's called, the <laughs> policy title, acceptable use policy. 
hours. So there are certain restrictions that a college can place on the use of their IT resources. So, you know, you can't use the computers or the Wi-Fi to threaten someone, to harass someone. You know, these are exceptions to the First Amendment. But this policy goes broader than that. It, it says that, you know, and anyone who uses IT resources at the school can't use them irresponsibly. And it says that includes transmitting offensive material. Uh, but the Supreme Court has made clear time and time again that the government can't restrict speech just because someone has found it subjectively offensive. So it, this policy gives administrators at the school quite a bit of power to uh, apply a policy like this to restrict student speech. So it, it is basically arbitrary, vague, and capricious uh, <laughs> would be the, the legal terminology that one would use. Um, the, the, the area that you're concerned about, um, if I can quote, is um, under the prohibitive actions, prohibitive actions uh, section of UMass Lowell's acceptable use policy. Um, uh, apparently anyone at the university using university internet access um, cannot use information technology resources or services for intentionally transmitting, communicating, or accessing pornographic or sexually explicit material, images, text, or other offensive material, except when clearly required to do so in the course of their work, unquote. Many people would say, well, they're at a public university. Why, why should they be um, able to uh, use public resources for pornographic or sexually explicit material or images what what you you object to that explain why Sure. So, you know, another exception to the First Amendment is unlawful obscenity. And and so that would include something like child pornography. It makes a lot of sense that you'd ban that over the computers and the Wi-Fi networks. But but any sexually explicit material, um, that could be just uh, nude art for an art history class. And, and, you know, that would be constitutionally protected. And then when it says that other offensive material, um, boy, is that broad <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, what one person finds offensive is not the same as what another person finds offensive. Uh, so, you know, the school couldn't possibly limit all offensive material on the Wi-Fi because that's, you know, half the Internet. But they they could use a policy like this if someone says something controversial or unpopular. Um, this makes it all too easy for them to crack down on that kind of speech. And, and you feel that this is uh, inconsistent with what a university should actually be involved in? Uh, I'm sure, correct? Right. So, so like I said, you know, they can certainly put limits on on use of the computers that that wouldn't be protected speech. So, unlawful various types of unlawful behavior, behavior that does interfere with other people's use of the computers. You know, it makes sense that a student couldn't fire up some pornography in the computer lab where where it disrupts other students' work. You know, sure, that makes sense. But but limiting all offensive material that's unconstitutional. Now, um, you, your group has basically given the university a tongue-in-cheek award. It's called the Speech Code of the Month Award. Um, UMass Lowell is not the only uh, school university that has been given an award. Is this going on uh, you know, to a greater extent uh, at, at schools around the country? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, we've been doing this 
Beach Code of the Month Award for, I think, about 15 years now. Fire's been around for over 20 years. And, and you know, the speech codes on campuses have been getting slowly better. I, I, I think, you know, quote Brandeis, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You know, as, as we bring attention to these bad speech codes, um, they are getting taken off the books, but there's still some of them sticking around. You know, I noticed on this policy, it said it's last, it's, it's expected next review date was supposed to be in 2017. I don't know if that happened. Um, but, but we see this a lot at schools, especially with their IT policies. Uh, they put restrictions on that I don't think the legal office would ever approve if it was applying to the campus quad, but uh, you know this this is un- just as unconstitutional when it's regulating online speech as as it is when it's regulating speech that's in person. So yeah, unfortunately, we do see uh, quite a quite a few policies like this at schools across the country. In the um, in the statement that we received from the director of media relations at UMass, Lowell, Emily Gowdy Backus, um, she wrote. Um, that this is a statement from the university quote computing and networking resources are intended to support the academic research and business needs of the university community umass lowell continually reviews all university policies to adhere to national best practices consistent with local state and federal law um uh, they did not want to provide us with um a representative to go any any further than the uh, than the statement that they have released. What I'd like to do, uh, Laura, if it's okay with you, is to um, just take a quick commercial break, and perhaps you could highlight for us some of the other controversies around the country. I was I was thinking to myself, whenever I hear about speech codes, I think about the founding of the so-called free speech movement in Berkeley, California, way back in the in the 1960s. There was a student out there by the name of Mario Savio. Uh, and, uh, he must be rolling over in his grave because <laughs> at a place like Berkeley, uh, where free speech was, I think, became, as a movement was born, Berkeley, University of Berkeley also has some pretty uh, s- severe restrictions on, on what is considered free speech uh, in 2022, uh, which I don't think Mario Savio and those of the free speech movement would concur with uh, back in uh, in the 1960s. We'll take a break. My guest is Laura Belt. She's the director of policy reform at the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Uh, we're talking about an, uh, a situation at UMass Lowell, but there are others because it is just not limited to UMass Lowell. And this is what FIRE does. They try to assert the rights of individual students. It's, they have been doing it for, as, as Laura said, about 20 years. And thank goodness that an organization like FIRE does exist because in a lot of these academic fiefdoms, uh, the the folks who run them uh, basically are able to do what they want and impose whatever rules that they want. And once the student has paid the tuition at the school, uh, the tuition pretty much that they've paid is non-refundable. Um, and oftentimes they go, and it's as opposed to education, it can become uh, cl- closer to indoctrination. I think that's what FIRE is primarily concerned about. We'll take a break. If you'd like to join the conversation, 617-254-1030, 888-929-1030, or 617-931-1030. Laura will stay with us till the bottom of the hour, um, and we'll continue on with the conversation after she leaves. We appreciate her spending some time with us tonight, and we'll be back on Nightside and talk about some of the other schools around the country that are 
basically limiting the rights of students to speak, um, whether on campus as a speaker or even to articulate thoughts and ideas within classrooms. Back on Nightside after this. Now back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. My guest, Laura Belt. She's the director of policy reform at the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. And if folks want to get more information about FIRE, you get a pretty easy um, email address or, or, or website, I should say. Yeah, that's the fire.org. Spelled so the, exactly how it sounds. <laughs> oh, seven letters, thefire.org. Okay. Um, give us a couple of other examples of, of schools that you have um, uh, criticized, uh, universities, where you, know, you would think the university experience is supposed to be a petri dish of ideas, people you agree with, people you disagree with, but not necessarily so. Sure. Well, you brought up Berkeley, and they have what's called a bias reporting policy, which is something that we see at a lot of schools across the I would say most schools across the country have one of these, where they say if you experience or observe behavior that is inconsistent with the school's values, you're encouraged to report it um, to administrators, including the campus police. Uh, and so they're directing students to report things like expressions of bias, and it's defined really broadly, you know, it talks about hate speech, biased speech, that sort of thing. Um, and, and as I said before, those kind of terms, they're so subjective, you know, what's, what's yeah. hateful to one person isn't hateful to another. Yeah, just as beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I assume hate speech can be in the ear of the beholder. Exactly. You know, one person would think that all lives matter is hate speech. The other might think that black lives matter is hate speech. Um, you know, if it's pro-life expression or pro-choice expression, these are the kind of controversial issues where if, if a student reads this bias reporting policy, they may think, well, if I speak up about something controversial, I might get reported to the school. Yeah, by speaking about anything controversial, by, by definition, some will agree with you, some will disagree with you. And so the the reporting is done sort of anonymously, and then there's an investigation of what the person said or thought. I mean, that's this sounds very Big Brotherish, 1984, um, brought to life. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, we don't hand out punishments for the biased speech, but, but we investigate it and, and we'll bring you in for a meeting and mediation and, you know, those sorts of things. That, that's, you know, even if it doesn't result in official sanctions, you know, that's chilling on protected speech. Yeah, and a little, little bit of indoctrination. It almost sounds like a re-education camp or, <laughs> or, or seminar. Another one or two very quickly that I want to try to get some phone calls in. Uh, uh, what, what's going on in some of the other campuses? Is this, has, has this wave peaked, do you think, or is this, this wave going to soon become a tidal wave in which will engulf every campus in America? I mean, it's, it is really widespread. Um, we take a look at the speech codes across the whole country, and only about 10% of schools earn our green light rating, we call it at FIRE, which yeah. means their policies don't seriously imperil free expression. Uh, but about 65% of schools earn our yellow light rating, and then 18.5% earn our worst red light rating. UMass Lowell is in that group because of this IT policy. Um, so, you know, the, the vast majority of schools are restricting speech. 
And is there any commonality amongst the schools, either geographically, regionally, uh, academically? Or is it, or you is might it think so that it would be no, but it, it really is pretty pretty well distributed. Unfortunately, um, you know, you see them in red states, blue states alike. They, you see these restrictions. Okay, let me see if I can get uh, a phone call in here or two real quickly, if I can. I know you've got to leave at uh, at nine thirty. Let me go to Joe in Belmont. Joe, first on Nightside, you're on with Laura Belts. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, Dan. Hi, Laura. Laura, I got a question for you. You know how you say, uh, follow the money? Where is the college president or the board of directors getting their money to support this? And is it George Soros? And who's behind George Soros? We should find out this. Yeah, this is very I, I, important. I, think, I don't think that Soros has much involvement here. I think he's, he's more <laughs> interested in electing district attorneys, as I understand it, Joe. Who's involved in this? I, I think it's uh, – I'll let Laura answer, but I think a lot of it is spontaneous within these universities. I think that there is a, um, a kind of a worldview that has evolved within academia. Um, that, that's my thought on it. Laura, agree or disagree on that? Feel free. Yeah, you know, I think that there's a combination of factors. I think that, you know, there may be some of that intentional censorship, um, wanting students to conform to a certain worldview. But I also think that rules like this just sort of make it easier for administrators because they want to avoid controversies. They don't want that big blow up on the campus quad of a really fiery um, protest that draws media attention and that draws donor attention, you know, because that's where a lot of money's coming from. So, so they want to keep the peace on campus, but you know, sometimes protected speech isn't peaceful, and and that's okay because that's that's what the exchange of ideas. Is. Well, it's very peaceful in a place like North Korea where there's no free speech. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe. Thanks exactly. for the question. Good one. Thank let me get Dan. one. Let me get one more in here. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Steve in Cambridge. Steve, you are next on Nice Side with Laura Belts. Uh, Laura, of- um, is is it the fact that Lowell is a state school? Does that mean they have to conform to the First Amendment more than a private school would? That's exactly right. Yeah, so state schools like UMass Lowell are government actors. They they are government funded, and so they are fully bound by the First Amendment. Uh, most private schools do promise students free speech, so, so you have a kind of contractual argument that if they promise students free speech, well, they'd better live up to that promise that they've made in official documents, but, but public schools, they are, they are on the hook for the First Amendment. A lot of people on the left uh, feel that free speech uh, is not as important as social justice. And therefore, when free speech, uh, let's say, uh, perpetuates um, what they see as um, oppression, they feel that free speech should be uh, constrained. And I think that is what a lot of these people on campuses uh, feel these days. How would you respond to that argument? 
Yeah, we hear that all the time, unfortunately. And the way that I respond to it is that we don't have social justice without the First Amendment. We we can't have any of these movements um, for minority groups um, unless we have the ability to get out and protest and exchange ideas. Um, you know, Dan was talking about the Berkeley free speech movement. Uh, that's what that was all about. They were getting out onto campus to protest in order to further their causes. So I I always tell students who who fear that they are contributing to oppression if they are in support of free speech that that really there's no other way to stand up against oppression but with free speech. One final question. Uh, You said that in many, even in red states, you see schools enacting these policies. Have you ever come across a school where these policies are enacted by conservatives against liberals instead of liberals against conservatives? Oh, yeah. Every every day. I mean, everybody likes to think they're great on free speech until they are presented with speech they don't like. So unfortunately, everybody gets in on the censorship game. Um, here at, at FIRE, we are a nonpartisan group, and we take cases from all across the ideological spectrum because unfortunately, like I said, every, everybody gets in on the censorship. And so you do see conservatives being silenced by liberals and the other way around. Give you me actually example. see it the other way around, then, conservative silence and liberals. I, I was looking yes, for an, yep, an example. Is there, is there a case that you've, that you've worked with? There are, um, there are some conservative schools, obviously, Hillsdale College and uh, amongst others, that, are, that hold themselves out. Uh, are there any specific examples you could share? Sure. There was a student, um, you know, at... At, at BYU, there have been students that have been trying to get out and express themselves about gay rights issues, and the school has, you know, has pretty strict rules about that because, again, you know, everybody says they're pro-free speech until you get to an issue that they care about. So, um, so, so, yeah, at BYU, they say, you know, you have to follow the tenets of the LDS Church, but of course, um, that kind of speech would be protected on a public campus. Well, that, great, thank great. you very much, Laura, and thank. Uh, you give my best to uh, Harvey Silverglade, please. All right, Steve. Thank you oh, very thank much you. For, for joining the conversation. Steve is one of my excellent, most excellent callers. Laura, thank you very much for having joined us uh, tonight. Uh, it's an interesting issue. We'll uh, we'll continue the conversation in your absence, but please um, don't be a stranger. Keep us posted, particularly when there's some some uh, some fire that has to be put out on some college campus here <laughs> in New England by uh, by the your organization, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. BeFire.org. Laura, thanks so much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thanks so much for having me. All right, we'll have you back. We're going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join the conversation, I would love to um, hear from you. Uh, it is uh, the number remains 617-254-1030, Also, 617-931-1030. So my question is, uh, for those of you who are in college uh, or who have students in college or who have recently emerged from college, uh, did your school... Uh, make you feel comfortable, whatever your point of view was, whether or not you are um, uh, more conservative or more liberal. Were you allowed to affiliate to join organizations of uh, students uh, at, at at your school uh, freely, openly? Tell us what your experience was. And if you went to a school where, and particularly if you went recently, but it, even if you didn't go recently, where you feel that free speech rights were respected, uh we would love to hear some some good stories, and if you have some stories that perhaps uh, are not so good, feel free. I'd like to I'd like to talk about this for the balance of this hour. We are going to be talking about an interesting uh, NBC News poll uh, that finds that there is now a new political divide uh, on college campuses. Nearly half of college students are refusing to room with someone who actually votes differently from them. And so it's kind of a related topic, but let's stick with uh, your experience, your students' experience. And again, if you were on college, did you go there? Did you feel you had a chance to engage in uh, an an active debate? Or did you feel that your point of view was not as welcome, perhaps, as you would like it to have been? You have the numbers. Join the conversation. Come right back on Nightside. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. All right, I mentioned earlier, um, and again, maybe there's no one out there who uh, is interested in talking about what their experience was on college campus, um, if they had a point of view that perhaps wasn't in the majority. Um, NBC has just done a poll. Um, It's a new online NBC News generation lab poll of the class of 2025 unclear how many kids students participated in this but apparently they checked in a year ago with the incoming freshmen who would be class of 2025 and they have checked back with them um, recently Uh, and um, what they found was that a year later, students, and again, you're a student at a college, um, remain optimistic about their personal lives. They should be optimistic about their personal lives. They continue to be um, less optimistic about the direction of the country, and many still experience anxiety and depression. I think that's a very normal sample. Uh, many of us um, feel pretty good about what we're doing. Um, and we have concerns about the country, or maybe different different reasons, but uh, even I think everybody at some point has some level of anxiety or depression. So the question that they were asking was, um, could you see yourself choosing to room in a dormitory as a roommate with someone who supported the opposed your the the presidential candidate in 2020 um different from the one you supported so this goes both ways in other words if you were a joe biden supporter could you see yourself rooming with a trump supporter uh and of course if you were a trump supporter could it go the the other way so um only 20 percent of incoming freshmen now rising sophomores i think is the term uh said yeah uh, uh, they would room 
they would be willing to room with someone who voted differently than they did in the 2020 election. Um, a third, 34%, said probably. So that's a little more than a half, not much more, 54%. 27% said probably no, and 19% said definitely not, which I think is very interesting because if you're going to college, I assume that you uh, are, are looking to have your your thoughts uh, and your ideas uh, tested. I mean, that's what college, I think, is all about. I keep calling college a Petri dish of um of ideas uh, in which people come to college with ideas and, and their uh, points of view are challenged. Okay, that's that's the way college is supposed to work. So then they, they ask, would you go on a date with someone if you knew they supported the opposing presidential candidate? Uh, again, as opposed to the one you supported in 2020. Only one out of six said yes, definitely. 30% said, yeah, probably. But 30% also said probably not, and 23% said definitely not. So if you were... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A Trump supporter, and you're a college sophomore now. Don't you're not going to have a, a good chance of getting a date with someone who supported Biden, or vice versa. And then it gets even more interesting. Could you see yourself getting married to someone who supported the opposite presidential candidate as the one you supported? Well, yes, definitely, only 13%. So one in eight are open-minded enough to say, you know what, I potentially could... Um, marry someone who I disagree with politically. Um, 25% said, yes, probably. You put those numbers together, and it's just a little over a third. Probably not 32%, and definitely not 31%. So the the, def, the probably not and the definitely nots uh, are 63%, uh, two-thirds, two-thirds of the population uh, at colleges. Now, you're supposed to be, when you go to college, you're supposed to be fairly open-minded, open-minded to other ideas. What does this say about the future of the country? If the students in colleges these days seem to be so close-minded that what they're really saying here is they don't want to, they don't want to associate um, with people uh, with whom they disagree. Uh, I, I do have the figure here. It says that this um, this NBC News Generation Lab poll was conducted. Uh, this month, August 12th to the 18th, so pretty much last week, of 1,077 rising college sophomores from either two or four-year institutions, and there's an overall margin of error, plus or minus only 2.6%. So that is a, a pretty uh, small margin of error, uh, but it is also, I think, a pretty sad statement on where we are as a country. So I want to open up this conversation, and I want to hear from you. Um, do you, again, whether you're a college student or whether you um, are, are recently out of college, where do you fit in this category? 
617-254-1030, We are coming back uh, on Night Set, but before we do, we're going to get one call in before the break. Let me go to Rashid in Dorchester. Rashid, I'm sure that you have seen this poll because I know you read a lot. What's your reaction to it? Yeah. I think it's just disgraceful, um, and it just shows you how unfortunately weak this generation of mine is. I mean, how could my generation be the future leaders of America and the future decision makers in every single local, state, and federal um, assembly that there would be, and we cannot even be in the same room, be friends with, or be married to somebody who voted differently than us? It's yeah. disgusting, and this shows how polarized we are as a nation. It really does underscore that. I mean, we I hear it on the show uh, all the all the time. Um, there are people on both extremes who want nothing to do. They they don't even want to uh, even think about having a friendship. What I don't understand is that you know some of the most passionate people I know are sports fans, um, and and I keep always coming back to that sports metaphor. Uh, just because the guy or the gal that lives next door to you either loves the Patriots or loves the Jets or loves the Yankees or loves the Red Sox, um, does that mean you can't have a friendship with someone? It seems to me that in sports, uh, uh, the best part about sports is being able to go to a game with someone um, who you uh, disagree with and you each can root sitting next to each other in the stands and having a couple of beers. I don't see why we can't do that when it comes to politics. Am I naive, Rashid? Uh, no, I don't think you're naive at all. I just think that it is, first off, it's more so liberal than it is um, it, than it is Republican. Republicans, I feel, are very tolerant people to a certain extent. Uh, it's the Democrats who are completely non-tolerant but well, you know just I, I don't imagine. i don't have I, I don't have numbers to back that up the, the 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 right through that i have from nbc news doesn't break it down amongst students one way or the other um so i, I do, do you have numbers on that or are you speculating well i just go based off of what we hear from liberal media when it comes to to politics it is the liberal media when it, when it comes to CNN, MSNBC, and many of the other news and social media outlets that have created this, this, this issue, because we have never seen it before. And just to think that, you know, you can't be a college roommate with somebody who voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I mean, are we serious? Yeah, but I well, think that this behavior was created by the liberal news media. That's how I could, um, you know, pretty much substantiate what I just said. Right, but again, you don't have statistics to back that up. I mean, I I, I don't see this broken down. Maybe if um, if I if if I had the actual poll in front of me, I could I could break it down more effectively. But but I I can't. Uh, to be honest with you, um, that's it's it, it doesn't it doesn't well, break. I guess you're gonna down. have to consider the source. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rashid, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. You, uh, get us going. What's your call about in the Herald on uh, this week? Or what are you writing on? Thursday, and we're going to talk about. I, you brought it up before vacation. We're going to talk about the Massachusetts um, state legislators' um, protection of criminals and telling us, the law-abiding American uh, citizens, to go take a, a short walk up a long pier. We're going to be covering the uh, revenge porn and the uh, catalytic converters. So that will be on Thursday, and 
You know, well, those, yeah, those know are, you those are two. You wanted to bring it back up. Well, thank you. Those are two issues that I I, I feel very strongly about, um, and I just don't understand why they would not have passed the legislature on a voice vote. It would take about five minutes and, and put them something that everybody should agree upon. That was befuddling to me. I'll be looking forward to reading your piece in the Herald on Thursday, Rashid. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Good night. Uh, Rashid is a, an, uh, a regular columnist in the Boston Herald. You see him, you see him on Thursday. Uh, we'll take a quick break. 617-254-1030-888-929-1030. So here's my question. We'll do a nightside poll. If you are a... I don't care if you're a, a Biden Democrat or a Bernie Sanders Democrat or if you're a Trump Republican or a DeSantis Republican. Could you have a friendship with someone from the other political party? I think we have to rebuild these bridges. And I would like to know if, if you feel so strongly about your politics that that would preclude friendships. Some of you have lost friendships. I know that. Some of you have lost relationships within families. I know that as well. I want to talk about this in the context of this NBC poll. We'll be right back on Nightside, 617-254-1030, or 617-931-1030. Got some wide open lines here, and I think this is important. We're approaching the uh, the the, the, the the season of elections, um, not only here in Massachusetts and New York tonight, they're having their primaries. Uh, they had primaries in other states last week, uh, Wyoming amongst them. Uh, there's primaries tonight in Florida and New York and I think one other state. We're, we're moving into the election season here, and I want to know from you, and tell me the truth. If you cannot bear to be in the presence of someone with whom you disagree politically, I'd really like to know why. And if you are able and have been able to maintain or even create friendships with people on the other side of the issues, uh, I'd love to know why as well. Maybe you can set an example for the rest of us. We're coming back on Nightside. Now, back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. All right, let's get back to the call. 617-254-1030, Let me go to Buck in Indover, Massachusetts. Buck, how are you tonight? Welcome. Uh, it's Mark, but I'm... Um, Mark, well, okay. Dan, I'm sorry. Well, Mark, first of all, I apologize, but it was written as Buck, so we'll, we'll change that. I only read him as Rob writes him, but Mark, welcome. You're next on Nightside. Go ahead. No no offense uh, to Rob. Um, well, first of all, I, I've, got, I've got friends who are different political views, um, and I think a, a lot of... So there's two sides to it, right? There's the financial conservative and the social conservative. Uh, and I think a lot of a lot of people in this area are probably more fiscally conservative than they are socially. Mm-hmm. So I think that that may have something to do with it. Well, but, vice, well, uh, I want to. Well, or vice versa. Actually, they're 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 probably the the Republicans in this area. There's there's the the Baker Republicans who tend to be pretty fiscally conservative, but pretty socially liberal. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And I think that's probably why uh, we can coexist a little bit better in this area. I think mm-hmm. when it becomes when it's the social differences that that it's harder to to get along but i do want to i have a bone to pick with the last caller because you talk he talked about conservatives being more accepting um you look at the book bans going on in in conservative run states i don't know how accepting that is of the first amendment when you're when you're actually banning books from classrooms 
Well, I think there's a lot of book banning going on in, in both directions, to be honest with you. And I think there's a real struggle with schools as to what's being taught. I mean, I think that's part of it. Well, what uh, books? But, but what, conservative, what conservative books are being banned? Well, I think what's happening... What, what, what liberal state is banning books? Well, I think what has happened is that there's there's uh, there's undercurrents. So you have um, critical race theory, which is coming into a, a lot of schools, um, and um, and and conservatives. So what is are, what is critical what is critical race theory then? As you, you don't understand, know what critical race theory is. Oh no, no, I I, I think, but I think most people don't. Well, how do you understand critical race theory? Well, this it's a it's a um, a, a belief and a philosophy that. Uh, that springs from the 1619 project that looks at uh, everything uh, going back to 1619 through a racial lens. Uh, and critical race theory has been brought into schools uh, at, uh, at, at even as early as the elementary school level. And you've seen a lot of the fights that are going on between school committees and parents groups and organizations as to what's going to be taught to kids. And I think a lot of um, progressives want to see uh, a different historical presentation uh, of the history of the United States presented than perhaps what you and I learned when we were in high school and and, uh, and college. Um, again, but I, wouldn't I, wouldn't you say? But wouldn't you say that 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 there were a lot of things that we were taught in high school and college that were wrong? I don't think things were taught to us that were wrong. I think I think the I think the question is the emphasis. I don't think anyone taught me in high school or you that slavery was thinking was something that this country should be proud of. I don't think so. And I think that the emphasis that you and I probably learned was that somehow the con the country went through a horrific civil war and the situation that slavery was abolished and over time i think president obama used to talk about um uh the arc of uh, of freedom was long and always bent bent in the right direction that that this country has become so let, me, let me give you an example Dan. let me give yeah. you an example of, of of differences um what what we you were taught that the civil war was fought for a reason what reason were you taught what what was a, a major factor in the civil war well, obviously, slavery as well as economics. So, so I've got a relative who's in the South, and he believes, and he was taught, that the Civil War was about states' rights. Uh, yeah, well, again, you, you, can, you can look... <laughs> now, that's, that's, a major, but that's a major difference. Yeah, but the bottom, the bottom line was the Civil War was about the Emancipation Proclamation. It was about the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. You know, Mark... Um, Unfortunately, we're flat up against the 10 o'clock news, and I've, I got a I break for that. I, I'm going to try to bring the conversation back to uh, just people getting along, um, and I'm going to reset right after the 10 o'clock news. Some night we'll do, we'll do a couple of hours on critical race theory, and I'd like you to participate, okay? Thanks, Tim. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Okay, we're going to continue this conversation right after the 10 o'clock news. I'm going to try to refocus everyone, and we'll be back right after the 10. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.